So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and we're at episode 97, boys. Three more to go before the big 100, but that's not the only big thing coming. We have game three of the Bledisloe, and we're back in Sydney this weekend. A lot of stuff's been happening around the world of rugby. We didn't have an Australian game last weekend, but we had the English League playing. The Wasps did finally make the field, though it didn't help them too much. They still went down to the Chiefs. And we had the Six Nations from the start of the year continuing on with Ireland playing Italy on the weekend as well. Um, as predicted, Ireland took Italy down with that one as well. But I am joined here with Leo and Toby, and we're here to talk about Blood is Throw 3, boys. We've got the teams, and we've got the announcement that the Indigenous jersey makes its first appearance for 2020. It's changed a little bit. The dark green, the white... Boys, how do you feel about the Wallabies wearing the Indigenous jersey this weekend? About bloody time. We've had two games already. It would have been good to see a bit more Indigenous flavour throughout. Um, it's, it's it's actually the same jersey as the as last year, but it's had just sort of a colour inversion, hasn't it? It's it's kind of it's, well, it's got the same the design. Yellow design on the sleeves to the white, and they've yeah. removed the Aboriginal flag as well due to copyright reasons through uh yeah that's a weird thing yeah okay okay yeah yeah but um overall like i it's a it's an interesting kind of um pivot on on the same thing um seeing the white on the shoulders is is a bit unusual but i mean it should contrast pretty well with the all blacks which considering they went with green for the base it's probably necessary uh i like it most of these i find interesting I think the territory we get into is is when it becomes a bit of a novelty and it's constantly changing and it doesn't really have that through line year to year, uh, aside from just being the indigenous jersey. Um, I'd like to see something a bit well, more, a bit even more the continuity. Jersey anymore? It's the First Nations, I believe they're calling it. Rennie's been referring it to now, which is probably more appropriate, isn't it? Is is that more more encompassing? Um, title for for the intent of the of the group it represents so um yeah i've no issue with that i i like it it's you know it's it's just a bit of a change up i, I don't see much white on a wallabies jersey um so you know it's yeah. it's it's an interesting one it's a some people might like it more than others i just hope it doesn't became so it doesn't become just a, a constantly changing thing every year it'd be nice if we kind of had some some sort of continuity there yeah not you just don't want it to be about revenue, selling a new jersey every year. Um, I think it's a great idea. I, I really was a fan of that first Indigenous jersey that came out, and I've got one myself. Um, I'd like to see us wear it, wear it more, but this is a spin on that. I'd, I'd probably prefer having gold on those those arms rather than the white, but you know, it's something different, and maybe you look at changing it every couple of years rather than every year. 
Um, but it's it's a good opportunity as well to give young artists an opportunity, Indigenous artists, to get their, their work out there as well. So um, don't see any downsides with it. Hopefully we play another good game in it. Well, we've had a pretty good record in it. Um, obviously the first time we wore it uh, a few years ago now, we did take down the All Blacks. Hopefully we can see that again. So we have both the Wallabies and the All Blacks team out, and I know you guys are raring to talk about the Wallabies team, um, but I think we'll just start a little bit with the All Blacks team, and they've had a couple of force changes with um, them having to leave behind Artie Savea and Nepo Lalala um, back in New Zealand because they're, they're having kids they want to be around for the birth of their children, and then Joe Moody also... Um, because of that big sort of hitty cop from Hannigan two weeks ago, um, knocked out and not able to start. So you've got a combination of um, Carl Tuinafakis coming into the front row. You have Hoskins Satutu getting the start at number eight, um, the rookie this year that we, we all um, thought we'd see there at some point this year. Uh, and you have Nani Lamapi coming onto the bench as well um, in the 22 jersey. Uh, late call up into the squad, but he, he gets his shot off the bench this week. Yeah, interesting now they've stacked the bench with Rico and uh, Nani Lamapi. So two guys that are currently fronting up as, as centres. Um, obviously, Rico's got some history there on the wing. Um, doesn't give them much in the in the scope of a, a spare 10 or a spare 15, but we, we've talked before. We've got the flexibility, obviously, Moanga, Barrett, got Geordie Barrett on the wing. He can go to fullback. Um, Caleb Clark's a specialist winger, so he's not going anywhere. Yeah, um, Sort of, you know, if, if they had a couple of injuries, it's probably one version of events that it, things get a bit complicated for them, but generally they're pretty well covered. So it's just a lot of ball running um, and and attacking prowess coming on late in the game, which um, if, if that's how it plays out, your last 20 minutes you get Lamapi coming on in the centres to, to run at some tired tied forwards or tied backs and uh, Rico ranging out wide. Like, it's a pretty threatening combination. I'm just really psyched to see Satoto, Satoto get his chance. Um, I think he was outstanding in, in Super Rugby and I actually thought he would get the start from the first test this season, but obviously it's hard to leave someone like Artie Sevilla out. So this is a great opportunity for Hoskins to, to get his teeth into some more game time. Um, and yeah, I like the makeup of this team. I think there's there's quite a lot of experience there, um, and you have got some really exciting players coming on late in the game. So, as always, I think that the All Blacks are going to be very dangerous. The only other change that I forgot to mention before, as well as Sam, they welcome back Sam Whitelock um, into the starting side after missing last game with the rookie Vi um, dropping out of the twenty-three with Scott Barrett staying on the bench there, obviously making his comeback from injury as well. Which is a massive boost for them. Like Sam Whitelock's just such a such a warrior. Um, you know, veteran of 118. He's a tests. crusader, actually, man. Yeah, of course. My mistake. Wrong, wrong code. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so between him and and Patrick Tuapolotu and and Scott Barrett, um, how many how many tests do you think Scott Barrett's played? Just off the top of your head. Thirty six. No way, he's got it in front of him. <laughs> I don't, I don't, don't actually have it. 
Is it actually? I can't guess because I've got it in front of me. The it's, viewers... it's, thir- it's 37. Oh, it's 37. oh yeah. I, I, yeah, that, I was not expecting you to guess that high. So if that's a legitimate it's guess, well done. Mate. They, they come out of the womb with at least 20 tw- tests. Well, uh, they must. Yeah, I don't remember him playing that many. Yeah, it's like he's he is racked up a few. I mean, maybe a lot of them are off the bench, but don't you remember um, that's he started impressive. at six last year versus England <clears throat> and they lost and people called him silly, <laughs> oh, awful. Yeah, no, but like that, just that experience in the second row and the skill. Like we talk about some weak points for the Wallabies and and how the locks have really you know dwindled for us. So the group to select from is so small now. That um, who can play at that national level. Uh, they're just like look at the difference and look at where our weaknesses are with the line out and then you've got guys like that like Sam Whitelock leading that group um, that's just such a strength for the for the All Blacks and they're lucky to have that many guys around that are that talented even after the Exodus post-World Cup well it's funny how just one name changes what we think of like we were talking about their lock stocks being a bit thin and then suddenly they get Scott Barrett back and suddenly like actually it's pretty strong when you have those three as your your three that you're running into tests. Um, yeah, it, it definitely I'm sure they'd love to have Brody Retallick too, but um, you know does, that'd be that'd be too much. That'd be spoiled. I would guess that Scott Barrett has more test appearances than Geordie Barrett. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, way more. Geordie's got nineteen. Eighteen more. Wow, I don't think it would be that many, but yeah, because he was sort of lucky in a sense because he was just in a in a position of scarcity so he just got the got the tap earlier on as opposed to Geordie being stuck uh, behind so many sort of talented players between the likes of people like Ben Smith and people moving on and then all the new young guns with Damian McKenzie and Bridge and Severis and stuff around as well. Oh there's always a massive competition for um for the for the back spots in the All Blacks but wasn't it was it Rodder who was Sorry, Rodder. Um, Ritalik, who was overseas, and then did he did he serve a like a, a ban or something? Might might be inventing that. No, it might might have just been his sabbatical and his time away that, that kept him out for a bit. So um, you know that's when the current test schedule when teams are playing, you know, several tests a year. Um, more than we used to see, then it's it's not too difficult to rack up seven or eight when you're the incumbent yeah. in a year. Absolutely. So, what do you think the? Do you think there's anything in this uh, All Blacks team that creates new strengths from what we've seen before, or is it going to be a whole lot of the same? I think it'll be. I think it'll be pretty similar game plan to last game, but I I expect them to raise their intensity again. I think. You know, that first period of play there in the second test, they brought so much physicality, but also played an up-tempo game as well. And I think they'll be looking to just build upon that performance. I don't see them changing anything dramatically. Um, you know, obviously, Jack Goodhue and Leonard Brown, they've got a bit more time together. I think that's a combination that still needs finessing. Uh, the back three look as dangerous as ever, and you got Aaron Smith and Richie Moonga running that back line. Like, there's not too much to worry about there. And from the way they picked this team, there's there's plenty of depth as well across positions, and you can kind of shuffle things around if there's an injury, and you're not going to be left exposed. So I, I'm pretty, you know, in terms of a team, a 23, I think 
this is pretty strong for the All Blacks. There'll be a couple of guys that might change in and out. I'm not a massive fan of Papa Lee um, yet, but, you know, he, he could be someone like a Sam Kane that's takes a bit of time to kind of earn his spot in the All Blacks, and he, he could be the next guy in line there, I think, at seven. So they're starting him early. He's still only, what, 20, 21 years old. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'm pretty happy with this All Blacks team. I, I don't see too many weak points and, and points that we can really focus on. Um, I think we've got to really bring our A game here to be competitive with them, even in Sydney. That's right. As you said, in Sydney, um, where you mentioned before we even started, Toby, the Wallabies do not have a great record. Um, we have a history of losses and close draws in here. And this is a Wallabies team that may look a bit different with, in, as we said, in the different jersey. Also different in personnel. There's been two force changes with not only Tamua being ruled out through injury, through that groin injury. James O'Connor has picked up a knee injury um, in this last week as well. So it's forced both our top line, probably 10 options out, um, which gives the opening for two debutants, Noah Lalesio and Ere Simone, coming into that 10-12 jersey, the Brumbies connection. Which is pretty exciting, isn't it? Like, these are guys who we had big raps on during the season. They carried the Brumbies through to a Super Rugby AU title. Um, like, just top top form all the way through the season. I think maybe Simone went a bit quiet there in the middle, but he never really had a bad game. Um, has much more of a kicking game in his arsenal these days than previously. And now through, well, I mean, I suppose it's a little bit of, it's a bad luck for the Wallabies, but it's luck for them that, they're forced into the cauldron of a Bledisloe that's a very meaningful game. Like this is a this is a, it's now sudden death. If we lose this game, the chance that a Bledisloe is gone for the year. So um, it's a it's a lineup, particularly in that that side of things, in the backs inside backs. That it's a group I really wanted to see playing together. It's probably not a group I would have liked to see blooded against the All Blacks, um, trying to retain a Bledisloe and you know possibly on the start of a tear. But uh, you know. It, at least we know they play well together. There's a combination. They've got Nick White inside them, so you've got some experience there. We hope that Patea playing outside Simone at 13 uh, will be at, in full fitness and, and see out the game. Uh, it's, you know, really exciting, like really exciting, explosive combination. And, and Lalesio could just be, like, could, could be the key that unlocks it all. Like, he could just be um, this sensational young player at this level who just bamboozles the All Blacks and, and they won't really know what to what to expect. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been difficult to drop Jock from this team had he not been injured. I think this is this is an opportune time for Noah to come in. I know it's probably a little earlier than we planned to actually have him starting, but at least we're back in Australia. It takes the crowd out of things a little bit. They'll be they'll be behind him and I think he's he's the type of guy that has confidence in his ability He's performed for the Brumbies when we thought, oh, maybe he's a bit young to be starting there and he's surpassed expectations at super rugby level. So I wouldn't be too surprised if he does it again here and, and surprises some people. Um, I think his size could be a factor in defence. I'm a little bit worried about that if they attack his channel. Um, but, you know, maybe they, they find a way of, of um, mitigating that a little bit. We've got two really big guys in the centres now. We've actually increased our, our size of our centre pairing with Simone and Patea, they're both big bodies. Um, and obviously, 
having Marika and Filippo Dalgunu there on the wings. They're very physical, abrasive players that, that aren't scared of the tough stuff as well. So I think in that respect, there'll be some protection for Lolisio. Um, and obviously having DHP there at the back brings a lot of experience. Um, he can help Noah and guide him around a little bit and, and slot into first receiver if he needs to, I think, as well. So there's a there's a good balance in the back line. Nick White as well. He's I wouldn't be surprised if we're playing a bit more off nine in this game um, to give Noah a bit more comfort. Um, but yeah, don't sleep on Simone. I think his passing game, his kicking game is going to be very important for the Wallabies here. And excited to see him. I think he's earned his opportunity. Possibly we see a little bit of support from the front row as well with uh, Slipper and Alatoa now starting. Um, familiar Brumbies uh, peers there to, to stand with Lalesio when when the line's all set and, and they're just sort of mingled in around each other. I think there's probably a chance we see one of those guys paired on him just to make sure that he's got that extra man. Um, he can, you know, he can go low. Someone big can take the the ball up high and, and try and squash any of the offloading game because that's definitely a channel they'll attack. And they'll also attack it in defence uh, when Noah's going to be probably coming from a bit deeper, give himself a bit more time and space. They'll definitely be working him over. Like you can see, guys like Shannon Frizzell will be coming through. Maybe they'll put Satutu on the the rookie assignment to to smash the ten like we did with Harry Wilson. Like. It's definitely something they'll yeah. use against us and, and they'll get them everyone riled up. So something yeah. to look out for and hopefully it doesn't uh, unsettle us too much. And you've got to remember, like, Richie Moanga isn't the biggest player either and he he has been targeted by us in these games and he's come through that. But, you know, when we do have a smaller body there at fly half, you know, you, you do have to protect him. Um, you do have to be smart about things because... You know, one injury and then we're forced into maybe having Reese Hodge playing there at 10 or we race Simone, so that's not ideal. Um, so, yeah, we just got to be aware of that, I think. And to keep um, keep the focus for Noah on tackling low. Like, he, he shouldn't have to go high. If they're going to play a, a, a game through that channel, uh, the support players around him need to be more aware of the offload because Noah's... Um, sensibly, his style will be to go low and just take the legs, yeah. make sure he makes his one-on-ones where he has to, but not be expected to go high and really um, challenge challenge the, the momentum of the player. And if they're just going to use that and then look for offloads, we need to be really tight. So Nick White's need, after he makes his his um, distribution out of the ruck, he's going to have to be chasing through, looking for inside men, going to have to have some of those loose forwards hanging around there. Or like I said, maybe the front rowers will be standing alongside and, and just trying to pull up those extra runners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what gives me confidence with Noah is after in Super Rugby AU, getting injured early on after having such a promising start, but then the confidence, one in himself and one in the coaching start, to put him straight back in for the Super Rugby AU final um, coming into that playing with confidence, not looking like he's lost a step with that um, and guiding to the Brumbies to a victory there. So that definitely makes me more confident in his ability to play. As you say, not the most opportune sort of possibility for him starting. He will cop a little bit um, from the All Blacks. It does make me a little bit happier not to see Artie Savia um, around being able to run straight at him over and over again. Um, probably one of the more damaging runners the All Blacks can run at people. Um, but I think you're right. I think 
if he sticks to his game and he gets the necessary support from men outside him or some forwards around him, I don't think that it's going to end up being a huge sort of weak point for us. And if he gives us more opportunities in attack, then it's totally worth it to, to have him there and let him shine. It could be the, the Caleb Clark channel. Considering the Absolutely dominance he had be. running the ball, you think about the way Marika runs his inside line off the 10 or, or just the short ball at the 9. Um, that's that's definitely a possibility. Do you know what I would do if I was the Wallabies? I would kick the ball to Caleb Clark off the opening kickoff and just have like two or three guys line him up and smash him. I mean, I yeah, really hope that they make, could do that, but you do that. You've got to make this an is a young player. You make that impression on him early in the game, and it just changes sort of the outset. They're not quite as confident running straight back at you if they've been smashed once. And yeah, you get Hannigan, you get Wilson, and you double team him, and you know yeah. you soften him up a bit. Because if we if we start the game bouncing off tackles and giving him that confidence, well, he's that, absolutely oh, look, I'm a doing confidence again. player, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Like he's a young guy. He's had this success early in his career, particularly in his All Blacks career. Um, and yeah, like you take that confidence away early in the game and suddenly he's, he's back on his heels a bit and he's probably less willing to try things. Um, but if we don't make that impression, if we don't bring the physicality, which I expect it's to do, I think that's probably been a real point of um, conversation over the last two weeks in terms of Australia not having those hard men in the pack to to really compete with the all-backs. But I disagree with that. I think there's plenty of guys there that can bring that physical edge to their game and... Um, yeah, I think that there's going to be some fireworks at ANZ Stadium with these teams in the first 20 really hitting each other hard. I think that tactics that tactics good as long as you make those hit that that early hit because if you, you give him a platform and he dominates you off the first run, you get the exact opposite result. The the kicking to me, uh, whether it's a kickoff or a, a, a like just a territory kick or a, or just a clearance kick. It's a matter of keeping it on the sideline so he hasn't got as much field to work in. If you can pin him to the sideline, you get a strong chase through down the centre of the field, close up his support opportunities, and then just just box him in. You've just got to kettle him against the against the sideline. And if you put a good hit on him and drive him out, get the ball back, like that's that's the best result you can hope for. And you do that a couple of times and yeah, maybe he's gonna get a little bit more uh, gun shy and, and be trying to force the pass back into a, a Bowden or, or someone else in the middle of the field. Well, you mentioned it there. Um, if we don't make those hits, we're going to have problems. And Rennie's he highlighted it after last week's game that um, if you don't do what he, he wants you to do and he doesn't get what he wants out of you, you're going to be out. So that's where we see our other selection changes. So we see a rotation. Alan Alatoa comes in to start and Taniella drops to the bench. Um, Liam Wright is completely out of the 23 joins the likes of Samu and Valentini the one and done approach Fraser McWright comes onto the bench and Tom Banks drops completely out of the 23 as well um, and Dane Halepetti starts at fullback and then Jake Gordon drops out and probably as we expected Tate McDermott gets his first opportunity off the bench as a reserve scrum half as well yeah and I think Fraser as well those two guys Fraser and Tate have earned their spots, their opportunities this year for the Wallabies. They've been spectacular for the Reds. And, look, I I think we were all surprised that Jake Gordon beat out Tate in those first two tests. I think Gordon played okay. I think with the time he had, 
he probably did enough to keep his spot, but I think at the same time, we'd be keen to see how Tate goes. And particularly in that last, say, 15, 20 minutes, if he gets a, a slightly longer opportunity and he can really bring some running to his game. He can, you know, if, if he's passing well, if he's sniping, he's just a dangerous player all around the field. And, um, yeah, look, I think he's a long-term option for the Wallabies and we're, I think it's a good thing to be blooding him now. And I think it's the same way with Fraser McWright. He's probably the long-term successor to Hooper. If it's not Liam Wright, it's Fraser McWright. So these are guys for the future and I'm glad to see them there on the bench, um, hopefully getting some, some good game time there. Do you think our forward pack becomes stronger with Alan Elatoa in there over Taniella? There was a lot made, like you mentioned before, with not having the hard man. They highlighted Taniella as potentially thinking that he's um, stronger or bigger than he really is um, in terms of his altercation with Dane Coles over the last week and things. Um, Alan Elatoa has really made the most of his opportunities that he could when he came on off the bench. I think, like, Taniella has this presence and there's some of those really damaging runs and the breaks that you just you do not get from Alan Alatoa but in many other ways they are absolutely on par and there was an interesting um sort of interview with Alan Alatoa during the week and they talked about how you know they they've got a real camaraderie amongst the front row particularly he and Taniella um, they say at least that, that, you know, as much as the competitive spirit, professional sportsmen, like they, they want to be out there, they want to own their position. But I think there's a bit of an unselfish angle to this that they, they see that, look, if we share our time and, and give our absolute, you know, in the half we get or the 50, 30, whatever the minute split is like the benefit can still be there no matter who's the starter and who's the backup. And this is kind of more what I advocated earlier in the year, which was, you bring someone on who probably gives you slightly less explosive attack and and breakout um, opportunity, but they're much more solid. The discipline's probably you know marginally better. Like you, you don't see Alan Alatoa giving up the odd high shot here and there or flying through a missed tackle. Like he tends to set himself, make good contact, sometimes nice heavy contact, and lay a guy out. And do his job and in the scrums you're not giving up too much there's a bit less aggro um early on like a bit more settled mature head um you know nothing to kind of disrupt the the mentality of the of the forward pack there early on so it'll be interesting to see i, th- I think alan altoa probably plays the first half and a bit so maybe five to ten minutes afterwards um i don't think they'll go a full half half split until unless alan altoa is really flagging but um, I think it's a good thing that you get that stability and I want to see Alan Alatoa just making his hits, being strong in the line in defence, um, you know, obviously performing in the scrums, sorting out the line out. Like that, that's that's what he's going to give to you and then you do get the Taniella, um, you know, cyclone coming through late in the game and there's half of their forwards aren't going to be subbed off. So they got, if they're a 5-3 split, there's going to be a few guys out there that are tired You'd be running Taniella at those guys and making sure that he's given every opportunity to burst through the back and, and lay on some hits, you know, bring him on and start softening up the the backs as well. So um, I, I don't mind it. I think there's definitely a strategy there. I don't think the guys are going to be too upset about being switched around. I think it just means you've got to give everything you've got for 30 minutes or for 50 minutes. 
I totally agree. And I think, look, Taniel had his opportunities in the first two games. I think he played well. Um, look, Dane Coles is kidding himself if he thinks that, you know, he even even got some sort of benefit from riling up Taniella after getting absolutely dominated. Um, I think that's probably just hurt his feelings again that he was flung five metres backwards. Mm. Um, Taniella is an absolute beast. Um, there's no denying that. And I think, yeah, he, he potentially could do more damage in the last 30 minutes of the game than the first 30 minutes. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good call. Um, Alatoa is just... He's a real professional. He brings a lot of consistency, but still with that physical edge. So um, I've done no no doubt that he'll make a real impact, and I think he'll make an impact without making some of those errors or you know lack of discipline that sometimes Taniello can can bring to the table. So um, yeah, I think with Slipper and Alatoa, it's pretty safe picks and and um, guys that you can really rely on. Does Rennie have something against Brumbies? With Flaufinger, so. Pete Samu, Rob Valentini, Tom Banks, all getting well, I think dropped out of. They, he's this. picked them right. He picked them initially, and they didn't quite step up as he wanted them to. And we've seen this before with Pete Samu in international level. He's not as impactful, perhaps, at this level than he, compared to Super Rugby. And Checker did it as well. He was there for a is, few games, and then suddenly he's in the wilderness. Is really again. enough sort of game time to? I, I don't think it is, but um, there was something I heard during the week as well that after the first game, maybe Pete Samu was a bit more physically damaged from that first game. Um, so that's that's why maybe he was carrying a slight niggle. So they made that change. And then you give the jersey away for two seconds and Hannigan there in that back row really did have a performance where he was very visible um, had a couple of good runs, was was all over the park. And so then it's hard to really deny Hannigan that next opportunity for the third game. And I don't think it's really that Samu is out of favour at all. I just think there's so many guys vying for those four back row spots probably that you have in a 23. Um, and Fraser's the next man up. Who's to say that, you know, Pete Samu might be in for the fourth game? Yeah, I, I heard the same thing you heard, Tobes, that... Um, Samu was a bit beaten up after giving so much in that first game. Um, so, if, you know, if that's the case, like you said, Hannigan performed pretty well. It's it's a cutthroat approach, but um, I don't know that it's the way you would attack your selections and your squad and, and sort of developing your group over the long term. It's I've always advocated giving people more more time, more opportunities, so you can build some consistency. We talk about it when we have our chats about cricket as well. Get sick of the the one once and done um, picks and drops for players when you know you, you fail on a couple of innings and all of a sudden you're out. And you're like so few opportunities to really grasp and 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 take it all. So if Rennie's decided that he's gonna, you know, he might have told his bench players, Liam, right, you are gonna get like 20, 25 minutes, and I want you to go out there and give it absolutely everything. You're allowed to make some mistakes, but if I see you not giving it everything, knowing that you've only got to put in for 25 minutes, you know, that's a big issue. Like, maybe that's what was said, and, and that's what he saw. And so Samu, I think the turnover is probably more, yeah, health and, and fitness. Falau Fainga, do, do we think the lineouts were stronger? Certainly in the throwing and communication 
in the second game. I don't think they yeah, were I think great. It was an, I think it was an improvement, but I, I, I think we're far from far yeah. from where we want to be. We, um, we know we're not a line-out powerhouse, but it was better. And so if I it feel... was better, then I guess BPA took his opportunity and the, the, the Wallabies forwards game isn't built around purely the Brumbies mauling and, and set-piece prowess with this group. There's a mixture of players. The Brumbies haven't brought any locks in. So, you know, you can't really say it's a line-out and maul game that the Brumbies, you know, you can't bring that DNA into the team. You don't have enough Brumbies to do that. So Falau Fainga's uh, skill set in that sense maybe isn't playing himself into a spot. I would suggest that the, the four Brumbies that have kind of been selected and now left out, I think it's kind of it's their own fault for that. I think their performances haven't quite, you know, forced Rennie's hand into keeping them in the team. Banks had two good games that, you know, we saw what we wanted Nothing in special. some respects. He was solid, but he, he hasn't brought that real breakout. You know, he's not breaking tackles like he does in Super Rugby. He's not yeah. um, scoring tries. I, this has happened on an, a couple of occasions now where he's had an opportunity and not quite taken it, and it's unfortunate. But when there's someone like DHP there who, who brings it week to week and is a proven test performer, again, it's hard when he's healthy to leave him out of the team. I've got a theory for the fullback side. I agree that Banks hadn't really done anything to really, you know, put his name up in lights. He was okay. He wasn't, you know, anything stellar. I think DHP is a solid pick that, that gives us some security there at the back and gives us some maturity and experience and a bit of communication. And, and hopefully, again, fitness doesn't let him down. Um, he's had a couple of games you know, through Super and Wallabies where he sort of gets a head knock and, um, you know, it's all unlucky stuff when we lose him and then it just feels like we're very uh, light on at the back. I wonder if um, I wonder if someone like Hodge, um, longer term, is, is more destined for that fullback spot. Um, and I'll tell you what, if yeah. it's not him, then my long-term money is on someone like Jock Campbell. Yeah, it's. I think Jock's still a year or two away, but I can see what you're saying with that. He's he no, long term. That's again. what I mean. Yeah, it's not going to be this year, and it's mm. probably still not going to be next year because DHP is still going to be around. But he's, I think long he's term, on the wrong side of thirty, so he'll. You know, yeah. he's probably not going to last till the next World Cup. But he's. By I no think there's means a good chance that Hodge done. gets channeled that way because you look at who we've got in the centres. You look at the options we're developing there. I don't think yeah. Hodge is going to be a centre, and but I don't think he's going to be a winger. They had eyes for him for that 13 jersey, and I think now that you know Pate is healthy, Hunter Paisami has surpassed expectations. I think most people would would say that. And now, again, Hodge is like, well, where do I fit in? I can play 12, I can play 13, I can play on the wing, I can play fullback. Um, the best football I've seen him play for the Rebels has been at 15. Yeah, yep. agree. It's just, agree. It's just been an issue having DHP there because. He's the first choice. He's the captain at the Rebels, and you're going to have him at 15 when he's healthy. Um, longer term, I think look, Hodge could be a 15 option, but he may just keep getting stuck as a utility back that comes off the bench and can just plug a hole rather than someone that you start. I wouldn't want to see him at 13 starting for the Wallabies. Sure, if you want to do that for the Rebels, that's that's fine. But internationally, I think he's probably too slow to be a winger. 
um, in terms of off the mark. I think you see that with Dalgunu and, and Marika, how potent they can be with the speed they have. I think 15 is probably where you want to see Reese Hodge if he's going to start for the Wallabies. And isn't it interesting that I've only just remembered that Maddox exists? Like, Jack Maddox, again, uh, good under a high ball, has a reasonable boot, um, is a strong runner, like can can fend off and break the line, and, and yet it doesn't feel like he's in that... He's, in that, he's, probably, he's, he's probably a player that needs to prove it at Super Rugby consistently before... That's yeah, right. his, yeah. his, but that's why I don't two. feel like he's there. Yeah. He's there, and he's got the talent. He's got all the the skills and the talent to actually make at this level. But it's he's hard pressed to string more than two good games together at the moment. Yeah. So until he does that, like you say, for a full season, um, similar to what Tom Banks does. Tom Banks generally has pretty solid seasons, gets to Wallaby level, and doesn't quite do it. So then he's just sitting in the squad again, which is unfortunate. But you can't force these guys to take their opportunities. You put them down on paper, they run out. You know, if they're not quite cutting it, well, Rennie's prepared to, to move on from them, which I think creates a good good amount of competition within the squad and and signals to those players, look, no no spot is safe. If you have one or two bad games, you're probably going to be gone. There's no favourites here. Um, Rennie's a pretty fair guy and he's going to pick you on form and he's going to pick you on potential. And then if you don't meet that potential, well, someone else will. It just makes me miss... Uh old two dads uh we were talking about it before earlier in the show and i think we put up a few you highlights. were talking about it uh i think everyone was talking about it it's been i miss i miss matt gitto matt gitto too Aww. but some of the highlights of Adam Ashley Cooper <laughs> versus the all blacks have just been amazing um i don't actually ever remember there being a good drew mitchell um oh, i think that was don't maybe. Say that. it was, it was. <laughs> actually I'll, I'll um i saw something funny this week there was a it might have been the Wallabies posted on Instagram. Um, name a more um, classic pair or name a more classic couple will wait. And they had the Bledisloe sitting in front of the Harbour Bridge. And you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. Bledisloe in Australia, whatever. And the, the immediate post underneath was two men in their Halloween onesies. I think it was a Ninja Turtle and a, I can't remember what the other one was, but a Batman. And it's Gitto and Drew Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't he dressed as Harley couple. Quinn? Nah. That was this year. Well, that was this year. That was this year. Oh, I like that you're keeping up with his annual just, Halloween. No, no, because no, I was watching the, if anyone the, rugby, was gonna be the Australian rugby show. He's watching your webcam you have around. But if there's if there's a man that needs to get married more than Drew Mitchell, I'd like to know. That guy's just, he's still a loose unit <laughs> and he's he... just approaching 40 and you're like, mate, you need to get your shit together. <laughs> Back into Not the Wallabies squad, time. was there anyone who was angrier than you two about the fact that we still saw a man by the name of Rob Simmons named on the bench? Um, no, there was 19. not anyone angrier than us. No. I'm confused. Oh. I just... He, he brings, keeps... He brings he's, so not, little. he's not there next year, so let's let's move on. So I mean, he can be selected. He's low he energy. Selected, but he won't be. He's just... You, you don't need... You, you need a player like that when you have so few other like experienced mature guys in the same spot now matt phillip yep and so that's Luke Arn, aren't yeah they're not 100 test veterans but they're by no means rookies and they've they've held their own in this match in these matches this year 
it's time to do away with the dead wood and get some some raw brawn back in the team. Get someone off the bench who's going to be a bit bit unknown. You know, give him a chance. He, he, I just I don't think Rob Simmons. If you need to bring on backup, you know, if you're calling for backup late in the game, you need something off your bench to break this game open and you know score some points, get the win. No one's calling Rob Simmons. No one's putting up the bat signal for Rob Simmons. Who are you gonna call? Not Rob Simmons. Well, like Trevor Hosea. Trevor Hosea. It's, a, it's again, Trevor it's Hosea. a conservative pick. Surely it is, and it just it it does my head in. And I know you need balance in these squads and you know not everyone can be the bolter and maybe maybe the fact that Fraser McWright is on the bench as the reserve back rower means that they're not willing to blood another debutant but like second row is where we are so short um e- they could have easily put Nicerani on in as a as a reserve as a, in the 20 jersey and had Trev Hosea um sitting there on the bench and bring him on energy 25 minutes have a similar impact to, to the All Blacks uh, reserve, whose name eludes me. That but he's gone now. But yeah. Yeah. Like, but like, what are we doing wasting our time with Rob Simmons, honestly? I think this could be, if we lose this game, this could be the last time that you see Rob Simmons in the 23, I think, for the remainder of the campaign because he's a guy that probably brings it at training. Every session, he's on it. You know, he's a seasoned veteran. He's got all the nous about him. But then when it comes to actually playing that last 20 minutes for the Wallabies, he's giving away one or two penalties. And apart from that, he's not doing much. He's not really making carries. He probably makes his tackles, but it's, it's, it's a very conservative, safe pick that I think doesn't give us too much in terms of upside for those last 20 minutes of a game. Um, but hopefully, maybe Philip and um, Lucan Salakai Loto will just play the 80 and we won't need him. No, but it won't it's, happen. Um, it, it speaks to, I think... The fact that yeah, Rennie doesn't trust someone like Hosea yet. I think if it was if Rotto was back in the squad, if Arnold was there, you wouldn't be seeing Rob Simmons whatsoever. It's just, you probably yeah, wouldn't even see Matt Phillips. But yeah, Simmons, Simmons would still be de- in the squad, but you know Simmons, Simmons was probably would have been left out. The Waratahs, like get off the yeah, well, get off the side of the mall. Not listening. Talk as the captain <laughs> didn't happen. Like yeah. I, I he, just do not see. It baffles the minds. He, he's like that. One, he's the one. Sorry, sorry. This, this is my this sport. is my fault for bringing up Rob Simmons. I know I got to interrupt well, you guys. Otherwise, you'll be in London Irish. He's if replacing he was, Coleman at London Irish, isn't he? Next year. If, uh, I don't know. I was, well, I'll, I'll, I'll finish. If he was the type of old warrior of like a Jeremy Thrush, like we saw for the Force, with just no regard for his health, putting on hits, being aggressive. Not always the most skillful, a little bit ill-disciplined, but at least he made an impact. Like, you'd, you'd accept that. you say, this guy's just, you know, giving everything he's got, and he hasn't got much left, but he's given it. But Rob Simmons is, like, stepping out there to get a paycheck. Like, I just don't see the... Oh, I don't the, know about the that. Love of no, I think, I think he thinks That dude he's loves rugby. He loves playing. He's played three World Cups for us. He's played over 100 games for the Wallabies. He would not um, be still playing for the Waratahs if he was... He's won a title for, with the Reds. The love of the game. It's just a case of someone who's, who's probably, you know, overstayed his welcome in the Wallabies for the last year or two, maybe more. And we're ready to move on to a more dynamic lock. 
but that time hasn't come yet. I think it will come soon. I think Jose will be there, particularly if this game, if we lose this game, I think Jose will definitely be there on the bench for the fourth game. Well, the good thing is we've got some young blood coming through between Jose and Frost and there's a few others out there like look forward to the days when the when the lock stocks are, are boosted back up to their normal numbers. I did hear a, a rumour as well that Rodder would be hopefully back in Super Rugby very soon, probably for next year. So I think Waratah's fans probably keep an eye out. He could be another addition to that, that lock spot there at the Waratah's. I know we've signed um, the guy from the force. Sam Wikes. Yeah. Sam Wikes. Um, after he spent some time at the force and the Sunwolves. But yep. Rodder would be a welcome addition to that pack. And I think, you know, there's, there'll be a, a few upset people that he's back in Australian rugby, given what went on with their contract negotiations. But, you know, everyone deserves a second chance. And I think he's might come at the Waratahs. It's going to be weird to see him in blue if that happens. Another Reds lock coming down to the Waratahs following Simmons. There you go. Oh, so, such such different players. <laughs> so, Bledisloe 3 this Saturday, ANZ Stadium. Kicks, kickoffs at 7.45pm Australian time. What's your prediction, boys? Unbiased predictions, as we always are on the Running Rugby podcast. Who do you think takes this? It's really, really hard for me because of Noah. So if I if if I look at Super Rugby AU and I look at Super Rugby original classic version prior to the whole COVID disruption, then Noah was absolutely standing up to the competition he faced. So it's not like he hasn't seen any of these players before. He hasn't been brought in through this insulated Super Rugby AU bubble and not faced any of the some of the All Blacks or any of the New Zealand sides. So, look, if you give Noah as a baseline his form through the Super Rugby AU season at least, like if you assume you can translate that to this match, then you've got to give the Wallabies a fair chance at a win because he's just been so good. He's he's played a balanced game. He hasn't been, um, you know, too, too intent on, you know, making some runs himself and carrying the ball too much or throwing risky passes. He was evaluating what was in front of him and moving the ball. And Simone was doing the same thing. And he had, and Simone had some really dexterous kicking in his arsenal as well. So, like, between the two of them, they could absolutely be a disruption to the All Blacks. So they find some space in behind and we get our kick chase in order and contain the wingers rather than kicking it into the middle of the field and giving them every option to, to counter. Um, I think I think it's going to be close. There's no there's no version of this where the Wallabies blow it out. But I'll, I'll give the Wallabies by four because I think they can they can get it up, uh, get the points <laughs> up and, and hold them hold them out as long as the the effort lifts and like the the kick chases there like all that counter attacking opportunity just needs to be killed off off the first catch of the ball yeah it's those those errors unforced errors or you know turnovers at the breakdown that really hurt us um i do worry about the nerves of some guys like noah like iray simone if they don't come in and have a good start to the game if they're if they're a little bit hesitant i think the all blacks will sense that and really dominate them 
Um, and then that can just stifle the back line. I'm, I'm going to have to pick the All Blacks by, say, eight points. I think it will be relatively close, but I think the All Blacks probably are the superior team at this stage. And although my heart wants to pick the Wallabies, I think still they might be a year or so away from, from really getting things together under Dave Rennie. And this All Black team, I think, is starting to hit its straps again. Um, I think that win in Eden Park was huge for them. It's really good that Bledisloe is still alive. And, I mean, a Wallabies win in Sydney would do wonders, I think, for, for Australian rugby, for the confidence in, um, for placing some confidence in the Wallabies from the Australian community. And imagine, a you know, a Bledisloe up there in, in Suncorp where the Wallabies have, you know, the opportunity to clinch that back for the first time since 2002. That would be huge. Um, I just get the feeling the All Blacks are, are going to be a bit too much for us this weekend. But I just want to see us bring a good performance and not fall apart. If we get behind, just keep grinding away. Don't don't throw it don't throw it out the window and, and start doing stupid offloads and and losing your formations. Um, I think it's important that we just keep sticking to our plan and um, you know hopefully we we play with dignity and we play with some resolve and um, keep that scoreline respectable if we do get behind. Leah, you mentioned just the not making mistakes in kick chase. Is those the key areas? Are there any other key matchup or key area that you want to highlight for this game on the weekend? I think Toby's already picked up on a couple, so the ruck needs to be strong. We, we can't afford to be uh, inaccurate at the ruck. Each player that enters the ruck to to contain the ball needs to actually remove an all-black player if they're there or, or actually secure it because we've we've thrown two or three guys in a really sloppy way, either in the side or just, just you know, onto the wrong part of the ruck when someone like Sam Kane's over the ball. You, they're, they're there at the right time. I think the, the difference is they're physically there, they're making contact, they're just not making good contact. So you secure the ruck. You make sure they don't get easy turnovers, easy penalties, and that just takes away a little bit of possession. That lets you roll on a few more phases. That's good. Um, the 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 tackling last fortnight was just woeful, so no doubt they've been working on that. Um, I don't think they will have a, a a similar performance. It was really out of character. It was very different to the first Bledisloe. I don't think that happens again, uh, so I'm not really focused on that as an area that... Um, that I don't think they will have improved and they need to focus on. Like, it's just, it was very out of sorts the previous time. The the kicking, for me, just opportunities down the middle of the field. Like, there was a mantra of kicking to space because it gave your chase more time to get up the field and, and sort of contain or, or just hold the ball in that end. And our chase wasn't good enough. So if you're going to kick to the middle of the field where there's space, you've got to be up on it. If you kick it to the middle of the field... And don't chase. You just give them every opportunity to look for the space and, and counter it. And, and that's all the All Blacks want. They're going to counter off our kicks. They're going to counter off our errors. So um, you've either got to choose that you're going to chase hard no matter what. But I would focus the kicking to the edges. So at least if you if you don't uh, find the ground and, and it goes to the, to the hands of the wingers or the fullback, at least they're coming off the sideline and their options are more limited. Kicking in the middle of the field without a really substantial chase every single time just leaves us really exposed, and I'm not 
not happy with that at all. I, I, I we talk about them, you know, don't don't give the ball over on errors. I don't think you can plan to not make errors. I don't think you can plan to not knock it on. I don't think you can plan to to not drop the ball when there's a flat pass. Like you do everything you can, but those things just happen. So, um, you know, run your lines, run your attack. If you drop the ball, you just got to be ready to scramble and attack. It's the ones you have a choice in, which is the kicking um, and the and the ruck precision that I think is the biggest focus for the Wallabies. My big, my biggest worry this weekend from just checking the weather is that it's, I think, thunderstorms. Rain. Oh, yeah, it's going to be um, wet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it could be a bit sticky too. It seems like it's 15 to 23. It's not going to be particularly cold. Um, so handling could be a real issue in this game. And we know that the All Blacks are, are far happier playing in the wet than we are. We do prefer a dry track. And I get the sense that with these rookies in there, it's going to make their job obviously in the pivots there a lot harder. If it's a if it's a wet ball, slippery, um, everything just becomes harder. And again, Leo, like you say, kicking I think becomes even more important in the wet. Tactical kicking has to be on point. We can't just be kicking straight down the throat of someone like Geordie Barrett, Bowden Barrett. They're just going to cut us to shreds. So that's it. That's a huge element I think that needs to be respected in the game. Um, we can't change the weather. We can only change the way we play and our attitude towards that. And I think we just got to be aware of it and not ignore that that's going to be a factor because it always is. Um, when there's some severe weather, it, it's going to affect the game. So I think the Wallabies just need to bear that in mind and come out with a plan. There's opportunity in the bad weather. Like we saw the wind in the first bledders low. We made good use of that, put bombs up, you know, people running around underneath them, spilling the ball, getting... Uh, uncertain about you know how they're going to contain it and with the attacking runners or with the, with the defense coming through so uh you know there's, there's probably going to be a bit of a game plan for wet weather i don't think we've got a group of bumbling wingers back three opposition to deal with so it's not a matter of kick it up and hope for an error but certainly depending on what quadrant of the field you're in if you're clearing space you're clearing space you're going for territory but if if you're in the you know in the halfway and you're putting up a bomb, you try and land it outside the the 22. You don't give them the opportunity for the mark. You bring them forward onto the ball and you you put them under pressure. You, you give yourselves 20 to 30 meters of chase under a bomb. Um, you know that's that's the sort of opportunity you might be able to create an error and then a set piece attack. Um, regardless, it's all about the chase. It's about the effort. Effort for 40 minutes, effort for another 40 minutes. Use the subs correctly and and just make sure you hold the line because it is a game of minimising errors against a team that is just so elite in the counter. And for me, the big thing I'd love them to focus on is... I said it throughout Super Rugby with the Crusaders and it's the same with the All Blacks, not conceding points in that sort of five minutes before and after halftime. Like... You need to have a mentality that you go up a gear in those last five minutes. As tired as people are, you go up a gear in defence. If you have the ball, even you look to slow it down, you look to get set-piece going, you look to hold on to the ball and not give them a sniff, not give them an opportunity. Yeah, sure, if you're in there attacking 22, you can look to attack and you can look to pressure the chances because they don't come along too often. 
but it's just such a poor way to either end a half or start a half if you're conceding a try to the All Blacks, and that's what's really going to damage us, and it's what happened to us last week as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We 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 need to be strong mentally in those times, and it's it's just such a it's such a uh, cliche that that the, the All Blacks get extra points there and in the latter stages of the first half and early in the second half. And it just throws them off, throws the opposition off completely. It just feels like, you know, you've just had a big halftime talk. You're refocused. You're back in the game. You know, imagine it's nil all sort of thing and they score points. You're like, right, well, you know, so much for that. So it's got to be, it's got to be strong mentality. And you're right. It's not a matter of saving something for the last 10 or five minutes, whatever of the half. It's about getting to that point in the game and looking within yourself and finding the extra energy to to lift and you know lay some big hits on and make them go into half time with a few sore spots and go far out. They you know the the last thing I remember from that half is getting laid out thirty seconds before walking off. Like that's that's the that's the mentality right you want to leave them with. Yeah, yeah they, they walk off and they they're like, geez, I'm so glad we're getting a break. As opposed to, hey, we just put seven points on them. Cracker, let's go have a drink. Like, it's very different if you can be... Cracker. Being, you know, <laughs> a New Zealand terminology, Archie will back me up. It is. So, um, like, it's just so different if, if you concede points at halftime. The other team walks off and they're all cheering and laughing and having a great time. You know, yeah. they're in a good frame of mind. We can't give them that. I think, Arch, do we have any, or Leo maybe, do we have any idea of what sort of crowd we're going to see out there at ANZ. I, there's not social distancing or anything, is there? It's it's all, uh, it's all the tickets can be sold, I think. Maybe uh, we don't know that. I th- possibly it's... Is it 40,000? Is it is it limited? I don't I know. I think it might actually be... I mean, that, that, stadium, that stadium it's has a 80. capacity of 80,000 at least. Yeah. 82,000 maybe. Australia. You'd have to imagine there wouldn't be too many New Zealand fans traveling across because of the the quarantine they have to do upon their return. Yeah. So hopefully a predominantly gold crowd. They're anticipating and... forty thousand fans to be there. Yeah, okay. I think it's still. A that sounds like it's not limited though. It sounds like that's only what's been sold. Pretend. Don't know. Possibly. Because otherwise, that's a sellout based on restrictions, but. I think either way, the weather's. We know what the Sydney crowd is like. The weather's probably going to, de- de- you know, deter a few people, um, but there should be enough people there to, to have some sort of atmosphere you'd expect. And it's just a case of the Wallabies fronting up now. They've got a, a relatively good team there. There's a few question marks, obviously, um, with the rookies that have come in, and can they can they really come out firing? But Again, we, like you talked about, Leo, Noah showed that he can step up to the plate and really perform at the highest level when he needs to. And I had doubts around that with the Brumbies first starting out the season and then also bringing him back for the grand final. So I think he's a proven, he's a guy that's proven at the highest level. It's just, you know, this is a real pressure cooker situation for him, but I think he might relish in that. And uh, I'm glad that Simone and Nick White are there surrounding him for a bit of support. So um, the only person we didn't really touch on is Tate, um, also probably going to come off the bench here. I know he's your favourite player, both of yours. 
Um, so any any last words for Tate before we close out the show? Go hard. Run the play ball. Natural, yeah, Run play a natural game. Tate, Quick Tate is, yeah, like there's a couple of things that Tate brings, which is that awareness. Um, I, I don't know if he had more of a license at the Reds than he likely gets from Dave Rennie, but the quick tap and just that that awareness of what's going on around the ruck, like he was really dangerous late in the game. He'd you know find the blindside edge when no one had slipped into that space and and just have these little darting runs. He's very quick off the mark. Like Jake Gordon and and Nick White are, are quick too, but I think probably off the mark that first 10, 10 or so yards. Tate might have him, um, and I don't think Tate's. Well, I don't think the All Blacks so much are a team that's going to allow one break in that area, and you know he's home and hosed getting a getting a try from anywhere on the field. He's he's quick enough, but he's going to need the support. So the team as a whole, once Tate comes on, maybe need to be a bit more aware of what he may do, and and to have someone nearby that can go with him because. It's all well and good to make a break and, and get through the line Fraser. initially. But, it, yeah, that's right. It's someone like Fraser McRider can, even if it's securing the ruck or getting an offload, um, it, you've, you've got to have someone with them because it's a wasted opportunity if the halfback makes that break, gets through the line, has no one with them. They're just going to get tackled. The All Blacks are elite enough that they'll probably turn the ball over or at least slow it down. You gain nothing out of it. So we need to have a few forwards with that in mind when he's coming on late in the game. Oh, boys, I'm starting to get excited. I'm starting to get excited with this talk. Oh, it's only a couple of days away as well. It's going to be big times out there at ANZ Stadium. Look, guys, before we close out the show, we do understand there is other rugby happening around the world this year, this weekend even. Um, Six Nations proper is kicking back off this weekend. Uh, Still the start of the year tournament um, going on, as well as... Super Rugby South Africa, or Unlocked as people are calling it. I think we've made a conscious decision not to continue to cover that since we won't be seeing the Springboks in the Rugby Championship. But the Six Nations, Toby, what do we have this weekend? So, final round of the Six Nations. We've got three games up here in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, Wales taking on Scotland in Wales, uh, Italy taking on England in Rome, and you've got the final game there, France taking on Ireland in Stade de France. And it's a, actually quite an interesting end to this 2026 Nations campaign. I believe from the table you've still got Ireland, England and France with a chance to win this title. Um, England are the favourite given they're playing Italy and if they were to win that game, and particularly with a bonus point, I think you'd safely say they take the title. But if Italy can mitigate some of the points in that game and England just win with the standard points, I think Ireland still has a chance to actually win that if they can beat France in Paris. So it's going to be a tough, um, yeah, a tough game for Ireland. They're one point ahead of England at the moment. They would need to win that game to actually clinch the title So plenty of action um, right up to that last game. And I think that's probably the pick of the games, France versus Ireland. So if you're watching, um, get behind it. And yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting end to that campaign. And then as we've talked about, they'll be going into the the Eight Nations campaign at some point next month. So for those of you that may not remember back to February times, um, the start of this year, 
the big sort of upsets in this was France taking down England in the first game of the year, 24-17 in Paris. Um, and then England continued to take down Ireland, 24-12. So that's how you've got this sort of three-way tie that's emerged with them all winning all of their other games. Um, but it looks like there'll be, yeah, quite a showdown there in Paris, France versus Ireland. Be a good one to tune into as well if in the Bledisloe hangover that I'm sure um, we'll have this weekend. That's about it from us today. Um, make sure you're tuning in to all our socials for any extra news, any late injuries or changes to rosters. Um, hopefully everyone's tuning in to watch this game. Blood is low three. It's going to be special. Win, lose or draw. It's going to be an exciting times for the four debutants potentially coming on for the Wallabies as well. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at The Running Rugby Pod. Otherwise, make sure you have press the subscribe, like, rate um, our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you choose to use. From all of us here at The Running Rugby Podcast, on our 97th episode, keep on running. Run. Rennie, you got...